0: Greetings my friends and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness by talking about the concept of the power of words. So we're going to break it up a little bit differently today. We're not going to be doing the guest spot. We're going to be talking about a concept. And this became evident to me as I sat down this evening after a long day. Actually, made the mistake of flipping on uh, YouTube TV, and the Democratic debate just happened to be live. And I started thinking about all the communication that was going on in the context of that event. And I started thinking about all the communication that goes on all over the place every day. Facebook, social media, you know, whatever the thing is. Telephones, texting, you know, emails. All day, every day, back and forth, people communicating in one way, shape, or form. What are they really saying? What's really being conveyed? And I thought about this concept as I watched the debate because really the debate was just about presenting misinformation. There wasn't a single candidate up there that was actually telling the whole story. And those debates honestly don't give license for that to happen in the first place. So it's really not a good forum. And in this case, the people who are participating in this are knowingly using the power of words to misinform And this happens day in and day out, intentionally misinforming people or leaving things out or painting yourself in a better light. And I contrasted that with some of the work that we did this year with the podcast. You know, there was a lot of people that came together to help make this a reality. And I'm forever grateful to everyone who came up, who, you know, took time out in the middle of the night across the ocean to jump on the phone with me you know, whatever the thing was, whatever inconvenience that they took on to share their wisdom and their story, it meant a lot to me. And a few of them jumped out at me. So we contrast, you know, something like the news or network TV that really doesn't serve a purpose other than to keep you scared and afraid. And in this constant state of fight or flight, with the, the generosity of someone who takes time out of their day to actually Give you a part of their life, a picture from their life, and then share that. And then to take that one step further, you've got all of these famous people, these famous dead people, I should say, who've written great books or great works, or even some of them who are still alive that we quote so often in the modern world. And we see the power or the impact that maybe a sentence or two that they utter has on us when the reality is they've spoken millions of words or in the event of an author has written thousands upon thousands of pages and we focus on a particular phrase or particular sentence because it really impacts us in some way shape or form and so i wanted to just take a quick moment and examine the spectrum so forgetting about the misinformation piece the cable network news piece the 24-hour news cycle the headline reading that happens on social media and all of the hand-wringing that goes along with that, you know, I look back at some of the people who took time out of their day, and I'm just forever grateful that they did that. You know, I've got uh, people like Michael Roviello who spent four hours with me telling me his story from, you know, naval, naval, naval aviator to, you know, corporate guy working here in the Valley to now focusing on Wim Hof instruction you know, breathing techniques, plant medicines, you know, I take that and I go to, you know, my friend, Jeff, Jeff Thornton, who's building a business and just is a man who is a young man who's full of so much energy and positivity. You just would not believe it. It's hard to believe that people like that actually exist. You know, he took time out of his day to share his world with us and what he wanted to create for his life. We had Sean Johnson who came up and talked about the the pain that she went through in a relationship that ended the, the emotional and physical trauma that she went through in an abusive relationship and made that public. And I talked about the same sort of a thing with Rashida, you know, Rashida came up and talked about basically being a slave, immigrating from India, being stripped of a cell phone and a car and money and not really having a way to communicate on her own without being supervised by other people in the house not being able to leave the house on her own. You know, these types of things, this modern-day slavery stuff, and you look at this and you see how each of these people have evolved and developed over the course of their life. And I can't, I can't think of greater examples to humanity, you know, and the reality is most of these names you won't know. They're not famous people in the, in the world, so to speak, you know. It's not about that. But what it is about is that we all have a common experience as we ride this ball of mud through space in terms of being humans. And all of us have things that we need to overcome. All of us have things that we need to deal with. And each of those episodes, we use the power of words to illustrate a life, you know, a life worth living, a life that someone could pull and mine nuggets of information from in order to go ahead and apply that in their daily life. You know, no matter what the thing was, you know, no matter if you're unhappy with your career or unhappy with your relationship or you're very successful, you know, we've had the gamut and all of those nuggets are there and they're there forever. Thanks to the beauty of the internet and this day and age that we live in. And looking back on that, man, I just, you know, i have so much gratitude and so much love for these people for taking their time to really open up and be vulnerable. You know, many people sat across from me and cried at the table with me. Many people told me stories that moved me to tears. You know, I had this happen in these interviews. I had this happen during the course of an event called amplify that we did twice this past year. That was a fantastic experience just, you know, up in the mountains away from it all, you know, and you have a chance to get to know some people in a remote location and you're not being bombarded by the distractions that you normally would at home. So a lot of that stuff has the ability to be worked through. And so in these types of environments, these one-on-one conversations, these, you know, These groups that we take out of the city in isolation and get to a place where we can communicate as people rather than as an identity or as a particular group, but as individuals who have real opinions and real lives and real, you know, real skin in the game. You know, it's not some keyboard commando on social media that you're talking to, it's a person across from you that has a real life and they're looking at you with you know, light in their eyes and they're telling you how they feel. They're telling you what their experience was. Maybe they're crying with you. Maybe they're upset with you. But whatever that thing is, it's real. And it all comes down to them being able to use the power that, that comes from the words that they speak to communicate a specific idea in a way that moves you, you know, in a way that moves me, in a way that moves the people around them. And that's just a beautiful thing. And taking this out further you know, in looking at some of the people that impacted me this year, many of them dead, some of them still living, but we have this beautiful thing, you know, that is a record of each of these people's life's work, whether it's an autobiography or a book that they wrote or a speech that they gave, a movie that they did, an interview that they gave, an article that they wrote. We have all of the ability at our fingertips nowadays basically to pull up the wisdom of generations that goes thousands of years back, literally thousands of years back, all the way to the Stoics, and pull quotes, pull wisdom from these people, and use that to impact our lives. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram at j.c.archer, you'll know that I take a quote every single day. And in the context of that quote, I write a story or I write some informational piece or some uplifting piece some lesson that I pull from that quote and I post it as a micro blog on my Instagram account and every day for the last basically 600 days, I think I'm at 590 or 91 posts at the time of this recording. We'll be hitting 600 very soon. If you go there, you can pretty much click on any image, read the quote, and then read my interpretation of it or how, or some, or some way that it has impacted me or relates to something that's happened in my life that was impactful. And those are there forever. It's, it's there as something that I can give to my posterity. It's there that something's going to as something that's going to live on after me. And so I wanted to share with you guys some of my favorite quotes and what they mean to me and how they've helped me get through this year going through some of the struggles of making sure that there was always a podcast done, making sure that, you know, the gym was growing or the gym was stable or the gym had what it needed or the rental properties were taken care of and they had what they needed and all the bills were paid and, you know, wifey was taken care of and our remodel was going on and you know, all the rest of it, you know, a lot of the times that stuff just has a tendency to overwhelm someone like myself. You know, I expect perfection. I expect excellence in everything that I do. And the reality is that's just not life. And because that's not life, sometimes it irks me and I forget, I forget, I forget that life has a lot of different colors in it and all of those colors are valid and all of them have something to teach us, teach me specifically. And so this year I struggled through a lot of things. I accomplished a lot of things. But I would be lying to you if I said everything was hunky-dory and all sunshine and rainbows all day every day I don't think anyone's life is that way and anyone that tells you that it is in my opinion is giving you a lie Straight to your face and they should be basically discounted. That's not the way life works It's not meant to work that way If it was You would never grow. We grow from stress strain failure difficulty not from ease not for ease, And so I pulled up my quote sheet. Uh, I keep a quote sheet in Google Drive and I keep adding quotes to it every time, every day, you know, every day I write and I keep adding quotes to it. And at this point, I just realized after going through it today that it is 58 pages long, 58 pages long of just quotes. And I was really trying to pare this down and I was having a lot of difficulty doing so because really all of these quotes are so impactful in their own little ways that I could create a podcast that was like 90 hours long, but I don't want to do that. I wanted to basically share some of the ones that were most impactful. And the reality is I wasn't able to pick most impactful because everything that I thought was most, every time I read something else, I felt like it was more most than the previous most. And then I swapped it out. So basically I pulled a bunch of ones that I really were, was drawn to and, um, I just want to share these with you guys and if they hit you, they hit you, you know, and maybe you can go read more from that person, but I'll share from, I'll share a little bit from my experience on each one and tell you how it helped me get through some tough times or how it helped me celebrate inspirational times, or whatever the case may be. And these are in no particular order. This is not something that, you know, I'm doing as a formal sort of a podcast event. I just wanted to talk to you guys straight up and, um, share again, the power of words, In gratitude to you for listening, in gratitude to everyone who helped contribute to creating the 65 episodes that we created this past year. So let's jump in with the first one. So in no particular order again, the first quote comes from E.L. Doctorow. He says, most people are quiet in the world and live in it tentatively as if it were not their own. Most people are quiet in the world and live in it tentatively as if it were not their own. What imagery does that bring up for you? For me, what I see is I see the average person going through life, doing everything that they're supposed to do with their head down, hitting the job, taking care of the bills, you know, taking care of all the responsibilities and roles that they, that they wear in life as an obligation. Very seldom do they step outside the line of those obligations or responsibilities. Living, living their life tentatively as if everything that they do needs permission. And you see a lot of this nowadays, especially as the world has become more feminine. We've basically started calling men toxic. Masculinity has become this toxic thing. And so now everything is permission-based. Everything has to have permission. I mean, you have, you know, literally grown adults in college talking about microaggressions as if that's a real thing. And so at the end of the day, you know, when you read something like this, I see people who are not themselves, you know, people are quiet in the world and live in it tentatively as if it were not their own. In other words, people are afraid of their own environment and afraid of the people around them, afraid of the things that they encounter on a daily basis. And so thinking back on this, I remember feeling this way when I was a kid, you know, growing up and even into, excuse me, even into young adulthood, I felt this way. I felt like I was a stranger in my own life. I felt like, you know, I didn't measure up and that everything that I did required permission. And I hated that. I literally hated, I didn't understand it. And I hated myself for thinking that that was, that, that that was my reality. And it took me a long time to realize that that was a reality that I had imposed upon myself based on the example being set for me by the people around me. And because I had done that, you know, it was no one's fault but my own. Obviously, socialization plays a huge role in how we show up in the world. But at some point as adults, we have to become parents to ourselves. And when I look at this and I think about living tentatively in my own life, I can't imagine a more painful way of going through life because basically it boxes you in and it keeps you small. And the last thing that you want to be... In any particular place, if your life is about growth, is living in a place of small. You don't want that. Everything is about expansion if your life is growth. You're going to expand. You're going to fail. You're going to put yourself out there. There's no tentative to it. You know, it's, it comes down to the old saying, you know, be bold and mighty forces will accompany you. You have to put yourself into the world and assert yourself in a way that lets people know that you're here to create something. And that's exactly how I want to show up in the world. And I don't always do that. So I can relate to this on those days when I'm doubting myself. And on those days, in my younger days, when I really didn't understand why I felt the way I did when I looked at my own surroundings. That's E.L. Doctorow. If you guys want to look that person up and check them out. The next one that I wrote down has to do with humility in my mind. This comes from Amit Kalantri and he writes anger gets you into trouble ego keeps you in trouble and this is one that really i can relate to on on a strong level from my adolescent young adulthood years when i was a kid i grew up in a crazy environment and as part of growing up in that crazy environment i had no certainty i didn't know if i was going to walk in my front door and my mom was going to be you know crazy upset mad screaming and yelling Or if no one was going to be home and it was going to be completely quiet, I didn't know. And as soon as I was old enough to move into the basement of my parents' home, that's exactly what I did. So I would walk in the front door, I would take 10 steps to the basement door and I was down. I didn't say a word to anyone. I didn't say hello, anything. It just went straight to my room to avoid the possibility of something being crazy. And so when I look at this anger gets you into trouble, ego keeps you into trouble thing, it's talking about the type of person who cannot learn. And I liken that to my situation of being unable to learn because when I was telling you about my environment as a child growing up and having that sort of space where I was uncertain, I had to create certainty. So I had to create certainty. Um, You know, all kids need that. And I developed this habit of being a know-it-all. Everything you knew, I knew it better. You know, even if I didn't know anything about it, I would make something up. And, you know, I knew what I was doing was ridiculous. I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I didn't know how to correct it at the time. It was the only thing that I could hold on to that created certainty in my life. So what I was doing was I was holding on to ego and that ego was keeping me in trouble with people. You know, I would argue with people and argue with people and argue with people over the silliest of things that really made no difference you know, today it's just like, all right, well, we'll agree to disagree. But then my identity was tied up to being right. My ego did not want to allow me to say or admit that someone else knew something that I didn't. And it was keeping me in that troublesome space. And when I read this quote, that's exactly what I think of. And I see this so many times when I'm coaching a client or I'm coaching someone at the gym or I'm working with someone on mindset and they refuse to see or understand. The observation of a third party in their life. They refuse to see it as valid or they refuse to accept feedback as valid. They're showing up with ego, not humility. And because they lack humility, they're never going to learn. And if you're in a space where you're not going to learn, life is going to keep giving you that lesson over and over and over and over and over again. And that's what happens. Because the reality is if, if humans actually learn from their mistakes and myself included, we would all be on a never ending, a never ending spiral upward in the course of our life. But I think at this point in time, we can all, you know, sort of rest easy that we we all have this ego issue at, at some point in our life that we have to get over and deal with. And this quote, man, it just drives it home. Ego keeps you in trouble. That last part hits me square between the eyes for sure. The next quote that I put down is by James Clear, whom many of you are familiar with from Atomic Habits. And he writes down, forget about goals, focus on systems instead. So we just had the new year come to pass and inside the context of the new year we had people, you know, setting resolutions, goals, making plans for the new year, whatever the thing was that they wanted to do. And that's all fantastic, right? These are these are fantastic in results, positive movement for most people in a lot of ways. You know, anytime the new year rolls around, everybody wipes the slate clean, we have a temporal reset, you know, a time-based reset, and it's a great time to jump on the energy of making sure that you can, you know, sort of take yourself on with the rest of the world. There's a lot of power in that, but it, it's not about the goal per se. And so we're going through this at CrossFit North Phoenix. So I created a goal board for the staff and for our membership. And as part of being a staff member or a member, I ask you to put a 90-day goal, or a six-month goal, or a year-long goal on the board. Something that you're going to strive for. Something that's going to keep you engaged. Something that you're excited to do. But all the time that I was doing that, I realized that it was never about the goal. It was never about the goal. But a lot of the people in the gym have never set goals before. So just taking the mental energy from the mind that says, you know what, look, I want to be able to deadlift 400 pounds or I want to be able to do strict muscle ups or whatever the thing is, you know, or some people put business goals down, you know, I, don't, I want to make $10,000 a month, whatever the thing is, you know, taking it from the chemical energy in your mind to the physical energy of actually writing it down starts to make it real. But that's only where it begins, right? So James says, forget about the goal, focus on the systems instead. The thing is, once you get the goal written down, okay, it's out there, that's fantastic. Now what? Now what? The question becomes, how do I reverse engineer the processes that are going to allow me to attain that goal? How do I reverse engineer my behaviors to focus on creating new habits that are going to give me that goal. And so this quote is talking about the underlying work that creates the goal. The goal itself is nothing more than a compass. It gives you a direction. But all along your path, as you you know, head toward this goal, wherever it may be, you've got to have systems that are making sure that you're on the right path. right? So, for example, if you want to get up at 6 a.m. every day or 5 a.m. or whatever the time is, right, Then what is the system that you're going to use? You know, are you going to use something like, you know, like public accountability where you declare, you know, to someone publicly that you're going to be up at 6 a.m. I'm going to screenshot my phone and I'm going to text it to you. And if I don't do that, then I want you to hold me accountable to that. I want you to ride me or whatever the case may be. You know, whatever motivates you, whatever that trigger is for you. Or are you the type of person that, you know, needs to set two alarms? Maybe that's your system. You know, one alarm by the bed, another alarm across the room that forces you to get up and walk, you know, away from your cozy, warm bed to the place where you can actually get the work done, right? So he's referring to the systems being more important because this is the piece that actually creates the end result. And a lot of times we forget about that, you know, it's one thing to put something out there, but it's something else entirely, you know, when 6 a.m. rolls around and you're really groggy and you don't want to get out of bed and it's cold outside, you know, and then you you, for some reason, find a way to get leverage on yourself to make yourself do that. The system is forcing you into a positive situation. So this is one that I've used many, many times. I use public declaration all the time. Um, You know, what, no matter what the thing is, public declaration works for me because one of my triggers is looking bad. So I don't want to look bad, right? I've got that program running through my mind that, you know, doesn't, doesn't enjoy that. So If I make a public declaration to someone, that's me being serious. That's me putting a system in place that's going to allow me to focus on creating that thing and focus on creating the system that's going to generate the thing more importantly. So James Clear, definitely pick up his book. I'm actually going through it right now. I'm about halfway through, and uh, it's tons and tons of great stuff on habits. If you guys haven't picked that up, I highly, highly recommend it. This next one is um, a bit longer. It's more of a passage. It's by Jacob A. Reese, and it is a sort of an homage to the stonecutter. So imagine stone stonecutter from back in the day. These are the guys that would cut rock and shape rock for building, you know, whatever walls, buildings, whatever the thing was. And he writes, when nothing seems to help, I go, I go and look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the first hundredth and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. This is amazing. It basically just talks about the effect, the compounding effect of daily discipline, the compounding effect of doing the fucking work when you don't feel like doing it, the compounding effect of moving anyway If you check out my posts a lot of times or on my j.c.archer Instagram, you'll see that's always hashtag move anyway in, in in the bottom. And this is what I'm referring to because when you see me hashtagging things like that, I'm telling you a bit of my struggle. It's not easy to write an original piece of content, you know, 2,000 plus characters every single day. It just isn't. And so in order to make that a reality, there are days that I have to struggle. I have to force myself to write. I have to force myself to write. Right? It's not pleasurable. Some days it is, some days it isn't. And on those days that it isn't, I have to remember that the accumulated work is what's important. The accumulation, the compounding effect of the habit is what's important. Because now that it's done, I have leverage, I can do certain things with it. So for example, tonight I was talking to Wifey before I jumped on the podcast here and we were talking about this. We were talking about, I was I think I was telling her about uh, some topics that I wanted to discuss, some quotes, that sort of thing. And we got to talking about how I use the quotes each day in the Instagram. And it came down to, oh yeah, exactly. This is something that you could now How many posts do you have, Jason? I've got almost 600. Well, this is something now that you could actually package up into a book. You could take your 365 best days of write-ups and convert that into a book, right? And so now that I've done that work, I have that compounded effect. I have the compounded effect that I can now leverage into another format, right? And then that book could be turned into an audio book and so on and so forth, right? It just continues to go from there. Each post could be turned into a more elaborate, longer blog post, you know, on my uh, jasonarcher.com domain, for example. So once it's written, once it's there, it's something that can be leveraged forever, right? And on those days that I don't feel like getting it done, on all of those days when I'm just putting in the work, you know, and I'm waiting to get something out of it, which is what this quote is about, I want to get something out of it, whether it's recognition, whether it's a book whether it's a positive result in someone's life, you know, whether it's a give and, or someone, you know, took the time out to send me a comment and say, Hey man, you know what? Listen, I read your post today and it really impacted my life. And I appreciate that. You know, you do all of these works, you know, I might do 20, 30 write-ups before I get the payoff of someone just sending me a message saying, man, wow, you know, this really impacted me today. I needed to hear it. Thank you for doing that. Right. Thank you for doing that the stone splits for me at that point, right? The stone split. But it was the accumulated effort of all of that time that allowed that to happen in the first place. If I didn't have any visibility, if I didn't have any reputation, you know, if I didn't have any eyes from the previous work, then none of this would be a reality. And so on those days when you feel like nothing's happening, you know, on those days when you're putting in the work, you're putting in the work, you're putting in the work, and you feel like nothing's happening, remember, you know, one day it will happen, And when it does happen, it won't happen because of the work you did that day. It'll happen because the work that you did all of the days leading up to that day. That is the power of this particular quote, Jacob A. Reese. Definitely check that one out for sure. This next one is also super powerful, and I do this every single morning. This one comes from Maxwell Maltz. Um, Maxwell Maltz was actually a plastic surgeon back in the early days of the 20th century, and he he's actually responsible for a lot of things. Uh, you might know the name, you might know the book as well, Psychocybernetics, which is where this quote comes from. But, you know, being a plastic surgeon, he also noticed that it took people sometimes up to three weeks for them to notice a change in their face or get accustomed to the changes that, that he may have made to their face in terms of plastic surgery. And someone took this information from him, and they used this as the genesis for this myth that it takes three weeks to create a habit. That's actually where that comes from, believe it or not. You know, it came from Maxwell Maltz's basically anecdotal research of of, of observing his his uh, patients get used to their faces, get used to the to the distortions, or get used to the improvements to the faces. They made and he noted that it took three weeks, and somehow that got converted into that habit thing. But that's not actually true. Just as a quick aside, there's been other research done. It takes, on average, about 66 days to create a habit. So, just uh, for what it's worth. But here's the quote He says, Develop a nostalgia for the future rather than the past. Develop a nostalgia for the future rather than the past. Now, for those of you who are living in the Joe Dispenza world, who's uh, f- who's famously making statements similar to this today, this is seventy-year-old information, and Joe Dispenza is talking about it in 2017. He says, "Remember your future." Remember your future. Maxwell Mont says, "Develop a nostalgia for the future rather than the past." This just goes to show you that the closer you get to truth, <clears throat> the more often it shows up on the same person's, you know, journal, so to speak. Um. Develop a nostalgia for the future rather than the past. The importance of this is it has to do with your self-image. It has to do with my self-image. And there are two times of the day when your brain is most susceptible to receiving new information on a deep level. And that is when you're first coming out of sleep or initially going into sleep. So it's right on the cusp of sleep, whether you're going in or going out, you're getting those slower brain waves, those slow brain waves allow you to imprint on your subconscious, and developing a nostalgia for the future rather than the past is—he's telling you here that you need to forget what went on in your past. Right, your self-image is based on who you were and what you experienced. You know, for example, I'm scared of dogs today because 20 years ago, when I was seven years old a dog bit my leg and I had to get stitches and it was really nasty and uncomfortable and painful and I had to get, you know, 20 rabies shots or whatever the thing is. Right. So now today I'm, I'm afraid of dogs, but what if you wanted to not be afraid of dogs, right? What if, in, what if you had a future image in your mind, a future, a future, I'm going to call it a future memory, even though I know that a lot of people want to understand what that means, future memory, I'm just a vision of myself enjoying the company of a dog, you know, a year from now, or myself enjoying the company of a dog six months from now, because maybe I married someone who is a dog person and I want to accept their dog into my life. So now I'm seeing myself laughing, playing fetch, whatever the thing is with the dog. And I've created this memory. I've created this vision in my mind of what that could look like. Now, if I remember that over and over again, it's going to undo the fear. it's going to replace the fear. i'm going to reprogram myself to think differently. so if you remember there's there's really no such thing as past or future. you've got in your head at least you've got the ability to see pictures and you have this temporal understanding that this picture happened in the past and if there was a strong emotional tie to that picture you remember it over and over again, you have a nostalgia for it, you know? and because you do that You bring the behavior that was associated with that tough image and emotion into your self-image and your actions every single day. But you can do the same thing by creating a future and remembering that, right? I create a future vision of enjoying the company of a dog, and I remember that every day. I remember how strong the emotional tie is to the dog and to my spouse who loves the dog and how much my spouse loves the fact that I enjoy being with the dog. And every time I do that and I make that emotional connection stronger, I start to rewire my brain. I start to refire different neurons and undo the pain of the past and create the ability to have a nostalgia for the future, to have a longing for the future. I, I'm, I have this desperation to create this beautiful future vision. You know, just like Dispenza says, remember your future, Maxwell Maltz terms it, develop a nostalgia for the future. So remember your future. Remember the beauty of the image that you want to create rather than maybe the tragedy that's caused you to be the person you are today. That's not serving you. And the only reason that you are who you are today is because you've remembered something over and over and over again. So this quote is just an homage to the fact that you can undo that by creating a new vision and remembering that over and over again. So I told you how I use this, or I told you that I would tell you how I use this. So every morning when I wake up, I remind myself to remember the future every morning when I wake up, I see myself talking to thousands of people doing a great podcast, owning a large business. I see myself in a happy relationship, happy marriage. I see myself running Spartan races, doing CrossFit in a fit body. Like I see myself doing these things, you know, and I've actually got some of these things on my calendar and in my life already. And the more I remember my future, the more apt I am to become the person who has the capability to create it. This one is super, super key, guys. So hear this one if you don't hear any of the other ones. Develop a nostalgia for the future rather than the past. This next one comes from a man, Kerwin Ray. Kerwin Ray. So Kerwin Ray is kind of like the Tony Robbins from Australia. He's coming out with a lot of great mindset pieces, science-based pieces, and um, he's dropping some serious knowledge bombs all over social media. So be sure and check out Kerwin Ray when you get a chance. And one of the great quotes that he said that, that hit me hard this year was, whatever you need will control you. Whatever you need will control you. And this is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. So anything that you feel like you're lacking, in other words, anything you feel like you're wanting or you have to have, you will direct all your energy and behavior to create that thing, right? So, you know, one of the most obvious examples is addiction, right? Addiction, addiction would be an extreme example of this. If you need that next fix, what happens, right? What happens to a person who needs that next fix? They'll rob their mom, you know? They'll steal from their best friend, you know? They'll take from anyone, anywhere to get what they want because they are not in control of themselves. They need something, and that need is controlling them. And you can pair it back to the pretty girl in the gym. You know, The pretty girl in the gym who didn't get daddy's approval, what does she need? She needs male approval, and she will turn herself inside out on the treadmill or in the weight room or in the CrossFit gym or doing selfies, looking half naked all over social media just to get the attention of a male that she didn't get when she was younger she needs it and it's controlling her behavior right So whatever you need will control you if you find yourself showing up the same way in similar situations on a regular basis, look at your behavior and, and take an, and take a moment and ask yourself, you know what am I needing from this? Why am I you know constantly showing up broke? you know why am I constantly in a shit bag relationship? you know what am I what am I needing? you know why am I repeatedly here? What, 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 is, what is it about the situation that's causing me to behave in a way that keeps me bankrupt and alone, for example, right? Whatever you need will control you. Some people need to be affirmed, for example, and they affirm themselves through the opinions of others, praising them for their suffering, right? So a lot of times, um, I've seen this many, many times uh, back in the South where I grew up, Um, poverty in a lot of, in a lot of the, in a lot of parts of the world is considered a a virtue and it, it's the furthest thing from it. Right. But a lot of people consider it a virtue in a lot of ways, you know, letting go of earthly things. I'm not saying that you should love things, you know, more than people, but there's nothing wrong with having things and having stuff, you know, provided you're not some psychopath who doesn't understand the difference between that and, you know, the importance of the people and relationships in your life. But if you have this need to suffer and you allow your life to be in a place where you're broke, right, and you have to be in this dramatic situation where people have to bail you out or you, someone hurt you in a relationship and now someone needs to bail you out, someone needs to be at your side, someone needs to affirm that you were in the right and the other person was in the wrong and how could that person do this to you, right? If you have that need, you will harm yourself, To make it a reality it will control you and it sounds really screwy but at the end of the day all behavior has a payoff all behavior has a payoff so when your behavior is based on a payoff that is controlling you you're in serious trouble serious serious trouble and so this is something that you can also use to your benefit so I told you guys earlier that a lot of times when I commit to something I'll take the mom- I'll take a moment and I'll actually sit down and make a public declaration. Well, I told you I don't like to look bad, right? So I'm going to go ahead and make it worse and say I need to look good in these situations, right? If I am the type of person who needs to look good in a situation, then I can use this as a positive and actually force myself to move in a positive direction. Now, there's better ways to do that, but it works both ways, and you should be aware that that is an option, right? Not everything... Is black and white to the good or the bad? It just has to do with the tool and the way that you use it. But whatever you need will you control you is a really strong statement, especially if you're using that particular concept in your life and you're unaware that it's causing you to create negative outcomes. Those negative outcomes are generally results of unmet needs. So take a look. If you see something coming up over and over again, you're broke, you're desperate, you're hurt, you're harmed, you're needy, you know, whatever the thing is, what's your payoff? What is your payoff? That's your need, and that thing will control you until you take control of it. I'll give you guys one last one, maybe two more. There's there's so many awesome ones here. This one is just amazing. So everybody listening knows Jim Carrey, the great actor, comedian, or comedian-turned-actor, however you want to look at it. He said in his great speech that's been all over the Internet for so many years now, So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. So many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality. And this points to that looking good program. It also uh, points to this idea of ego holding us back. So fear disguised as practicality. This is pointing to this idea of people being afraid to stand in the fire, right? So you want something. You want maybe an athletic achievement entertainment achievement, a business achievement, a relationship achievement. You want something, you know, whatever that thing is in order to get it, you're going to have to put yourself in a spot where you're completely unfamiliar with what is going to be required of you to get there. You know, what is going to be required of you to get there? What was required of Jim Carrey to become a great entertainer? I'm sure there were hundreds and hundreds of rejection letters Rejection meetings, rejection phone calls, over and over and over again. Lots of failure, lots of failure, lots of failure, and some hits, right? Some hits. Same thing with business. You know, business is going to be up, it's going to be down, right? Is it a business that you want to run? Okay, well, chances are you're going to have to put a lot of money at risk or a lot of resources at risk, you know? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to, to set aside the fear and do it so that you can have that big business or have that great outcome? Or will you sit back and make excuses in mixed company and disguise your fear as practicality? That's what he's talking about. That's what he's talking about, right? If you allow something to hold you back and you create an excuse about it, you're basically just disguising it as practicality. Outwardly and inwardly, you're lying to yourself if you have the money to invest in your business and you want to create a big business and you don't do it out of fear, well, are you going to say that at the next party, you know what? I was just afraid. I was terrified. You know, I didn't, I, I lacked the confidence in myself. You know, I didn't feel good about it. I didn't, you know, all of these negative things about yourself, are you just going to say, you know, I looked at the financials, you know, it wasn't really the, the right thing or, you know, maybe the wife is pregnant and you know, it's just not the right time right now or, you know, all of these different, Practical reasons that you can use in any given moment, in any given situation to disguise the fear that you actually felt in that moment, you know, entertainers are obviously going to experience this all the time because they're constantly being judged in public in public mixed company crowds. You know, forums, audiences, this sort of thing. You know, I experienced this personally when I started doing uh, content for uh, Facebook, for Instagram, whether I'm writing or doing videos or recording a podcast. You know, do I have value to bring? Am I the type of person that people should listen to? Do I have any valid opinions? You know, and, you know, every time I sit down to record a podcast, it's like that. It's like, well, shit, do I to have something to offer, you know, and you know, I can sit and I can say, well, you know what? I promised myself I'd be in bed early and here it is 11 o'clock and you know what? I'm just not going to do it tonight. It's just not practical, you know, for me to stay up. And then and the reality is I'm just afraid of what someone might say. I'm afraid of what someone might think, you know, to an extent. And so when he says so many of us choose our path out of fear disguised as practicality, I remember that I don't wanna make excuses, you know? I don't wanna make excuses. Yeah, my shit's gonna suck when I'm first starting out. You know, I'm, I'm not the greatest speaker, I'm not the greatest video guy, I'm not the greatest podcaster guy. But the reality of it is, is I'm never gonna be any of those things if I sit back and I make excuses, practical excuses that disguise the real, the reality that I'm just just afraid to do it. Just afraid to do it. I'm just afraid to put myself out there. I'm just afraid that someone's going to put some nasty comment on social media or, you know, no one's going to like my podcast or, you know, whatever the thing is. In order for me to get past that, I have to face the fear, forget practicality for a moment and jump down that rabbit hole and see what happens. And that's just the reality when it comes to creating anything great in this world. Anything great in this world. And I've really kind of jumped on this whole comedian bandwagon lately i'm sure you guys have seen a jerry seinfeld show comedies in cars getting coffee whatever the thing is if you watch and you listen to the conversations you know as successful as seinfeld has been he drops a ton of knowledge bombs through this i mean he's i think he's what in his 60s right now and some of the things he says is just pure gold and you would miss them if you're not paying attention you you really would he says one of the things, uh, one of the things that he says in an interview, I think, well, I forget who he was with, but he says a lack of focus is why we have a lack of greatness. A lack of focus is why we have a lack of greatness. This one, another one hit me really hard because I have a tendency to want to take on too many things at once. And then when I do that, my energy is divided. And because my energy is divided, I don't make the progress I want to make. You know, I can't create mastery around a thing because I'm creating basically busy work around too many things. If I don't have enough time to go deep in a topic, then it doesn't make sense that I would ever achieve greatness in that thing. So when I go back to the earlier part of the podcast and I'm talking about, Hey, you know what? Listen, I gotta, you know, I'm going to make sure that I write on Instagram every single day, no matter how I feel, what I'm doing there is I'm creating focus around writing. I'm creating a focus around writing. I'm, excuse me, I'm almost 600 reps in and my writing has gotten a lot better. My thinking has gotten a lot better. My communication skills have gotten a lot better. When I go back and look at some of my early stuff, yeah, not so much, you know, not so much. And that's just the reality. So lack of focus is why we have a lack of greatness. What is it that you want to really be good at, really be great at in your life, creating excellence around in your life, have mastery over in your life, that thing That is the thing that's going to require the vast majority of your focus. And if you're unwilling or unable to give it, then you're never going to have the greatness. So you just, you know, you just stop kidding yourself. It's never going to happen. This is one of these things I used to lie to myself about a lot. Oh, well, you know, it's just this. It's related to this other thing that I'm doing. So I'll just, I'll have plenty of time, you know, because it's, it's close. And the reality is, no, there's only so many hours in the day and every minutes spent away from what I want to create mastery around is not serving me. And that's just a simple reality. Can't, can't do that. Can't live life that way. If you want to create greatness, have any set of mastery around any great thing. Oh man, I just want to keep going, but I know I'm, I I need to wrap it up. Let me do one more. I promise one more and I'm going to shut the hell up. Let's see here. Friedrich Nietzsche, my man. God, this guy was, He just had so many great things. Uh, If you ever read any of his stuff, man, just go super deep with it. Take your time. He has so much to offer. This quote, he says, He who cannot obey himself will be commanded. That is the nature of living creatures. He who cannot obey himself will be commanded. This is so fucking true. So fucking true. He who cannot obey obey himself will be commanded. You see this right now happening in the world, right? There's this huge sort of spotlight right now on entrepreneurship because people understand that if they can command their destiny with money, that they can command their time later on. So in order to command your destiny with money, you have to be able to have mastery over yourself in terms of creating those daily habits, creating those sales calls, you know, organizing those meetings, creating those collaborations, creating content, products, you know, whatever the thing is that you have to create it has to be done every single day. And if you're not the type of person who's self-motivated, if you can't obey yourself, in other words, if yourself says, listen, man, we got to make these calls and you're unable to do it because you're f- afraid or because, you know, you don't lack or, or you don't, you, you lack the confidence or the time or whatever the thing is. If you're that person, you're not going to be successful And you will be commanded by someone whose business you'll be working for because you lack the funds to support yourself. That's just reality. And that's basically what Nietzsche says at the end you know, that is the nature of living creatures. So having a command of self, this is super, super, super important. For me, I grew up in a very undisciplined environment. You know, I could go to bed at four o'clock in the morning, sleep till noon during the summers, you know, whatever the thing was. I really had a, I didn't have much discipline at all. So for me, this is a reminder that if I'm going to get what I want, right? If I want to own my life and have ownership of my time and my direction that I have to obey myself, when I set a goal to create something, I have to obey myself. And there's many times throughout the course of the day that I simply don't want to do that. So again, it comes back down to that whole hashtag move anyway thing move anyway. You know what you need to do. You know what direction you're going. And if you cannot obey yourself, Jason, you will be commanded by someone else. That is the nature of life. Wow. That one hits hard. So with that said, guys, check out some of these quotes, check out the power of words, check out the people that have what you want and see if you can go match and model the things that they're doing to create them. It's really that simple. Tony Robbins popularized that concept, and he has certainly lived it in his life. Whatever you want, someone else has probably already done it. Find out how they did it. Match and model their life. Match and model their success. If it worked for them, it will most likely work for you. So it's getting late. I'm going to call it here, guys. I appreciate all of the time and attention that each of you spent with me this past year. I've thoroughly enjoyed doing the podcast. It's been a huge challenge for me. It's been a huge growth opportunity. 65 episodes. I guess this will be episode 66 episodes in with another 52 planned for this coming year. That is the commitment. That's my goal. And I hope to hit every single one. Actually forget hope. I will hit every single one. Hope is not a strategy. It's another favorite phrase of mine, (laughs) And uh, I will see you guys in the next episode. And by the way, if you're listening to this and you have an interesting story that you want to tell, remember Hardwater Radio is all about collecting nuggets of information that we can share with other people. And when we do that, we enrich not only ourselves, but the world around us. We make everyone better. We are all teachers. We are all learners. And let's keep it that way, guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer saying, remember your future. Talk to you soon.